Welcome to Awesome with Allison and Eric too. I'm Allison and our only goal with this podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen. Whether it's by laughing at us, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful, we hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I'm here with the one, the only, the sexy, the talented, the wearing my She Can't Be Stopped t-shirt, Mr. Eric Robertson. Here I am. You look good in my t-shirt. I feel good too. No, seriously, would you just like wear it around? Like you feel good wearing it? Yeah, 100%. Well, I only wear black shirts, so good thing this is black. Today is an exciting day for many reasons. The first reason is that this is episode 120. This is one of my finest titles <laughs> of any podcast, Building Body Image Resilience Through Thick and Thin with Beauty Redefined. Aren't you proud of that title? Yeah, I, I love that title. Thank you. Okay, so this episode, I'm going to tell you why it matters so much, but before we get into this episode, which is just so good, I'm stealing from you by not getting right to it. It's a big, big day for me because we launched not but hours ago my She Can't Be Stopped t-shirt and my I'm Doing Awesome daily guided journal. The reason why it was so important to me to tell you about this is because as I was making this journal, I was thinking about you. You, yes, yes, no, don't be taken back. I do mean you. I was thinking about the people who listen to our podcast, the amazing, awesome empire community that we have built. I was actually at at a church thing and they were talking about a weekly program. And I was like, weekly program? I need a daily program. And then I started laughing because my year of awesome calendar is a weekly kind of program. (laughs) And I was like, that's right. I do a daily practice for myself and I want to share my daily practice with other people because I believe what we need to feel as awesome as we are, to live with more intention and more focus is a simple, quick daily practice. Like we talked about in the four agreements, making everything a ritual. I love that concept. And so for me, this this daily practice in the journal is like a ritual for focus, for intention, to connect with myself. It's launched. It's up. It's ready. If you want to see what it looks like and learn more about it, there's links in the episode description. At the same time, Time, I have these shirts that I made like randomly because I don't just randomly make shirts usually. But we were going to Alt Summit and I just was thinking of like what I'd want my daughters to wear. And I wrote this poem and I had She Can't Be Stopped. And then I pictured Fiona wearing it and Ginger wearing it and me wearing it. And then I started crying and then I pictured all these other women wearing it. So I made these shirts and they ended up We can do a pre-order for the shirts, a print-to-order pre-order, and the journals are on their way, so the pre-order is just happening at the same time. You can get 15% off if you use the code can't stop, and that will get you 15% off if you order two or more. So if you order two shirts, two journals, or a shirt and a journal, if you like the podcast, if you've been listening and you want something physical to connect you with the rest of the awesome empire and a powerful daily practice. I really hope you'll check that out. So thank you guys so much. You know, we don't do a lot or hardly any paid anything for the podcast. That's a very specific choice that I've made. I'm not saying I never do it or I won't ever do it. It's because this is how I like to try to use the podcast power is I believe these tools will serve you. Now, as a huge treat to humanity, I have a seriously, insanely powerful conversation for you with Lexi Kite of Beauty Redefined. Beauty Redefined is a nonprofit and its whole goal is to help build body image resilience. I have been wanting to talk to Lexi and bring her on the podcast for months and months. I've seen so many memes about quarantine snacking and quarantine eating and people losing their abs. I know that body image is being tapped on in a huge way during the current, always in life. So this is a timely episode no matter when. But right now, whatever our go-to habits and stresses were before the pandemic, they're now all amplified beyond. So even if you don't struggle with any type of 
disordered eating, which most of us honestly do, all of the principles we talk about are going to be so powerful here. And Lexi helped me have personal breakthroughs. I even argue with her a little bit when she brings up stuff, not because I don't believe her, but because it's so deep rooted in us, a lot of these beliefs. I'm so grateful to Lexi and her sister, Lindsay. They're twins with PhDs who have a book coming out soon. They are doing for body image what Brene Brown did for shame and vulnerability. I'm calling it. I know it to be true and you're getting them here. Let's do it. I am so freaking excited to have Lexi Kite from Beauty Redefined with me. Hey, Lexi. Hi, Allison. There's twins. There's Lexi and Lindsay, and they run an amazing Instagram account and a nonprofit organization. I know it's more than an Instagram account (laughs) called Beauty Redefined. The reason I love you so much is there's so many thoughts and feelings about body image, about all of these different ideas that I seriously just have not had language for. I'm reading on your Instagram. Instagram and you're saying things where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I was thinking. I didn't have the language for it. The reason why you have the language for it is you literally have PhDs. I'm super excited. I want you to tell us a little bit about you and the work you've done. But what we're going to talk about today is self-objectification. What is it? What does it mean? Can we stop it? We want to stop it, right? Yes, we want to see it and we want to stop it. We want to see it and stop it. So we're going to talk about that. The other thing that I think is going to be really pertinent to a lot of us that we're going to talk to Lexi about is how do we then, with all of these beautiful body complexity image issues that we have, not pass them on not only to the children we may or may not be raising, the children in our lives, but I like to think of it as the next generation of women. I like to think the buck stops here. Maya Angelou says, you do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, you do better. How can we do better? That's our conversation for today. But first, Lexi, you and your twin sister, you guys have such an interesting education. I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, of course. Lindsay and I are very much identical twins that didn't want to take the exact same life path. We've always been very competitive, but we are interested in and good at the exact same things. So it was kind of inevitable that we were going to end up working together, going to 10 years of school together without taking a break and running this nonprofit. I have a sister that gets treated very much like a twin. So I really understand when she started an online business after I had been doing my online stuff, it was kind of like, okay, you don't want to end up in the same space, but you do. That happened to us. And we decided to use our powers for good instead of evil. This whole idea for Beauty Redefined started a long time ago. I'll age us. We're now 34. And this all began when we were 18, sitting in separate college classrooms at Utah State University where we did our undergrads. We were both journalists going into journalism. We didn't want to take the same classes together, but we were required to take the same courses. So we took different sections of the same course. And I remember sitting in this classroom and I was just a baby, just a freshman. And it was a required course for journalists about media literacy, the ability to read and understand why media messages are created the way they are, why women look a certain way in media, how race is represented, violence, all that kind of stuff and how it impacts us. I remember sitting in that classroom the first day of class, just getting a really broad overview. And when that professor started talking about the ways media impacts women's perceptions of themselves, because everything is profit driven and it is all designed to cause us to fixate and feel insecure about our bodies, my heart pounded faster. I got goosebumps. I had very much what felt like a spiritual experience tell me I'd been impacted by this, that this was important and that somehow I had work to do in this space. And I went home and I told Lindsay, this class is amazing. This is what I learned. And she said, shut up. I experienced the exact same thing. And that was the beginning. And truly every door was opened from that point for us to continue on to get our master's and our PhDs at the University of Utah. We had fellowships to work together. So we were funded the entire time we were there. And we established Beauty Redefined as this really amazing opportunity for girls and women to not only see the ways they have been coerced a lot of times by culture, by our media messages, by the way their moms and grandmas and sisters were raised to believe that our bodies are the most important thing about us. Also, not just to be able to see it, but to be able to use that pain that we experience from being objectified and feeling so defined by our bodies, whether we like them or hate them, to use that pain and to become so much more resilient 
resilient and compassionate and purposeful because of it. We can use it. It's called body image resilient. It's this particular work we do at Beauty Redefined and it will change your life. And we just love to talk about it. So I'm so grateful for the opportunity to talk to you today. Lexi and I had the opportunity to speak in an event that was targeted towards moms and daughters. And I got there a little bit late, but I had the opportunity to go sit in her class. And you were talking to the teenage girls and there were probably only six or seven of them there. You just were in this intimate setting and you were pregnant and you were just sitting down. And I was in the back of the room with my team, Nichelle and Julie. And we all, like every woman our age, have very colorful, varied past with our bodies and with different eating patterns and different things. The three of us were sitting there with tears streaming down our face. (laughs) (laughs) You were talking about body image resilience and some of the concepts I think we're going to get in today. It's such an important message and so many of us need to hear it. You want to know what a really hard thing for me to swallow as an adult. I'm a few years older than you, mama. I spent so much of my teens and early 20s, if not more, so wrapped up in body image issues that I didn't even understand were body image issues a lot of times that it kept me from doing more important work in the world. There's a lot of social injustice, all of these really hard, horrible things. How do I feel like I'm just waking up to some of this? I seriously have been more worried about my cellulite. The amount of energy that is being sucked and taken and stolen by our body image issues. I've said this before. I think women could have collectively cured cancer if we had not been wrapped up in our body image issues. That's how much energy is being stolen and drained by this. I fully agree. I'm so excited to talk about it because I feel like it's one of those things that once you start peeling back the layers, once you start noticing it, you're shocked and abhorred that you didn't notice it before. Absolutely. You're a thousand percent right. When I started learning about this stuff, and the same goes with most of the people listening to this podcast, from the outside, it doesn't look like somebody would have seen me at age 18 and thought, oh my gosh, she's disgusting. She has every right to be thinking about what her body looks like when she's sitting in that classroom thinking about her thighs and when she's not swimming because she is so nervous about wearing a swimsuit in front of her friends and her boyfriends and whatever else. But the truth is, the real truth truth is that most girls and women in this world have been so held back by this thing called self-objectification. It's a big word, but once you hear it, oh my gosh, it'll change your life. Once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And it's your job to call it out every time you're doing it. Self-objectification for girls and women is this thing that happens when we live in a world that consistently calls attention to our bodies, that from every message, from the way our moms talk about themselves and their diets and our dads, to the billboards we drive past on the freeway that cut us into parts and tell us how to fix our baggy eyelids, our saggy boobs, our cellular the hair on every inch of our bodies. We hear these messages everywhere. These are objectifying messages. They're messages that dehumanize girls and women, that turn us into parts, parts to be looked at, to be judged, to be used, to be tossed aside when we don't fit the ideals. When we grow up in this world from the time we're just little girls watching Disney movies that consistently portray girls and women with only one body type, a tiny waist, tiny nose, tiny chin, big eyes, big breasts, big hips, these things they seep into our minds and they cause us to self-objectify, to picture ourselves living instead of just living. Allison, you are out there throwing killer dance parties. And while you're dancing, you are thinking about what you look like while you're doing it. You're thinking, okay, I got to keep these pants riding high so my muffin top doesn't show. And I have to make sure that I'm posed in the right light because there are people taking pictures of me and looking at me. For the typical person sitting in a classroom, even if nobody's looking at you, you're thinking, okay, I wish I would have washed my hair today because the people sitting behind me can probably see how greasy my hair is and they think I'm disgusting. And you're thinking, I need to cross my legs in this way because even just to my own view, my legs look smaller like this. We're doing this thing. It's this mental task list that we literally carry around with us. We travel the country doing these big speaking events. When I talk to boys and men about this, I get met with blank stares. They look at us and they look around like, are you kidding me? That can't be real. You don't do this. And the girls and women can verify that self-objectification is just a way of life. 
we live and we picture ourselves living. Do you do that, Allison? I would assume that I'm not alone. Two, three, a million things. You're obviously not alone. Obviously, I've done that. You know what's so crazy is you use the dancing as an example. The dancing is hysterical because it's one of the only times I don't do it. And it has been one of the sources of the most connection, empowerment, freedom, and honestly, success that I've had in my life. The place where I wasn't doing it, honestly, I have not been able to understand. I talk about this in almost every keynote or any branding workshop I do. Instagram got video. So to me, the logical thing to do was to hold up my camera and Robin Thicke's blurred lines just give it to the camera. And I couldn't believe that women, women, it's women. I couldn't believe that women were so, wow, you're so brave. You don't even care what you look like. I've been on a diet. I was on Jenny Craig when I was nine. I was on Fen Fen, which if you're old enough to know what that is, was recalled and there was class action lawsuits. I was on Fen Fen when I was really young, like 11 or 12. You just live this way. And when we were first married, Eric would get so fed up everyone who listens to the podcast knows how chill and calm Eric is. I remember him just screaming at me one day. He just broke. He couldn't handle listening to me talk about my body and how horrible it was. I found all these old journals recently. They really sent me spiraling because you couldn't turn a page in those journals without me saying, I'm such a fatty. Oh, I shouldn't eat. I'm such a waste of space. Boys will never love me because I'm so fat. I was so disgusted. Here I am just judging again in a different capacity, but I was so disgusted with how, oh my gosh, it was every other paragraph, every other paragraph. Rather than sitting in the disgust, I was like, I'm going to choose to acknowledge how far I've come. But you want to know what's so crazy? Dancing has been this fun thing for me. Today, we're driving. And I'm so sad because it's a real tough time and I'm having to make some really hard decisions. I couldn't get out of bed. Eric had to pull me out of bed this morning and he took me on a drive. I thought, I'm going to get into kayaking because I saw this person kayaking and I was like, I'm going to become a kayaker. That's what I'm going to do. Nothing else is working. I'm going to become a kayaker. And you want to know what one of my first things I thought was? Is that a good overall body workout? Is that going to make my arms bulky? Is that going to give me the cardio I need for my legs? And so I'm like, oh, I've come so far. I'm so free. Is kayaking going to get me out of a depression? Is kayaking going to be a source of joy? I stayed there for about 20 seconds before, like you said, I started watching how I was going to look from kayaking. What? Like I haven't even started kayaking. I get it. I absolutely get it. You are not alone. It's bananas and it's normal. Like you're explaining. So we're writing a book right now called More Than a Body. Subtitle, Your Body is an Instrument, Not an Ornament. I could talk for way too long (laughs) about just addressing some of the things you just talked about. And I'll start by talking about the fact that what you're explaining is the comfort zone that millions and millions of girls and women and an increasing number of boys and men live in. It's this state of picturing what you look like instead of living. And because you're defining your happiness, your health, your ability to be loved, your joy based on how you appear, you're never going to win. You're never going to be happy enough. You're never going to get to the flow state you want by kayaking when you're thinking about how you're going to look kayaking. So you've explained this beautiful thing when you talk about dancing as this opportunity that gets you out of that state of self-objectification. And the I know that the reason that you were able to just like really touch the lives of so many girls and women with that initial like dancing on Instagram thing is because it's not it's not brave. I hate to say it's brave because that sounds like you're disgusting, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I understand like and I always have I've never taken it personally when people say I'm brave because yeah. I'm like I've taken it to mean I don't really care if I look like an idiot I care if I look like an idiot in very specific ways and I think the way that I care if I look like an idiot isn't maybe the number one way that other women tend to care and so then I seem really brave because I just happen to be worried about other things. It's not that I'm not worried. It's not that I'm not worried. It's like I was 
a chubby 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, believed I was an overweight everything. And so it's like part of me was just like, well, I can't please anybody with that anyway. So like I developed a whole other set of skills and and the dancing and the entertaining. There's always going to be beauty that comes from like our weaknesses or the things that break us. That's part of the beauty from that is I developed other superpowers in a response to what? Woo! Woo! Crazy. (laughs) Well, I think one of the things you did, that thing that resonated with so many people is you showed them that you can use your body as an instrument, not an ornament. That's our mantra. That is our everything at VR. I have this quote pulled up from your Instagram that everybody should follow. I was talking to my mom about it. I pulled this quote up for my mom and I don't want to steal your thunder, but I I love this so much. It's like loving your body isn't believing your body looks good. It's knowing your body is good regardless of how it looks. It isn't thinking you are beautiful. It's knowing you are more than beautiful. It's understanding that your body is an instrument for your use, not an ornament to be admired. And your guys's mantra of I'm an instrument, not an ornament, that has been such a powerful statement for me. Like I said, you've given me language when I'm at the gym and I'm starting to notice, okay, I've been working really, really hard at the gym and oh, now my body isn't looking the way I thought. I stopped myself and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Allison. I thought we were here to feel good and to be empowered so we can do work that changes life not so you can look cute right where I'm just like and so I did and I don't swear on my podcast but I'm going to so grab your children where I just at the gym I stopped and I said I'm not here to look hot I'm here to kick ass I'm not here to look hot I'm here to kick ass and that stems from that's my language of I'm not here to be an ornament I'm here to be an instrument. And that was that was from you guys. Like, that's what it interpreted for me. I love it. Continue on, Lexi. Sorry, I just get so excited. <laughs> no, I love it. No, that you're explaining it perfectly. Honestly, this mantra is a life changer for myself included. Like, I can't talk about body image like it's a thing that you can just fix one time. You know, you repeated our mantra that positive body image isn't believing your body looks good. It's believing your body is good regardless of how it looks. And that's not just a thing that you learn and then you're okay. Like you could follow our Instagram forever and still not totally get there. And that's okay. All of us are on this journey in our bodies and some days are going to be good and some days are going to be bad. But the paradigm shift of being able to experience your body as your home from the inside, not a burden you drag around behind you, ashamed of, fixing, constantly worried about how it looks like, it gives you your life back. The ability for us to call out self-objectification when it's running through our heads and then fight against it, immediately dance in place, immediately look down at your body and express gratitude for that part that you're so disgusted by. Whatever you need to do to come back into yourself. I'll tell you this thing that we haven't talked about with anybody because it's kind of the main concept in our book, but I want to tell you about it because I think it will resonate with people and it helps explain what happens in each of our lives through self-objectification. So for every single one of us, for little girls, it happens around puberty, but these days it happens a lot earlier. We split. Our identities literally split. We, one day we're, you know, playing at the beach and we don't care what we look like in our little swimsuits. We don't care at all when we're bent over playing, you know, building sandcastles and whatever. And then one day we step outside of ourselves and we watch ourselves instead of living inside our bodies. Our identities literally split. It happens over the course of time when we hear our moms say, oh, I'm not going to eat that. Or I probably shouldn't. I've eaten too much of this today. Or we see our friends tease us at school because they have grown up with these same messages. Or we look down, I look down at my little girl thighs in second grade and I saw that I had a dimple. I had cellulite on my teeny little thighs. And I remember feeling so much shame, even though I didn't know what cellulite was. I had never noticed it on anybody else and thought it was disgusting. But I saw that little dimple and I thought, can I hide this forever? What can I do about this as just a teeny little girl? We all do this. We all step outside of ourselves, but we can come back to ourselves. We can. We can reunite. We can embody ourselves again. Instead of living, looking at ourselves from the outside, policing ourselves against our worst fears of what we think 
someone thinks we look like, of what we think other people think when they look at us, we can actually live in our bodies unapologetically. And believe me, it is freaking hard. But I can tell you in my own life, I have a newborn baby, I have a four-year-old, I have gained and lost weight a million times in my life. I'm now at this place where I am doing my absolute best to get off the yo-yo diet train. I'm the fattest I've ever been and I'm the happiest I've ever been. I have the happiest, most wonderful relationship with my beautiful, wonderful husband. I am active. My body works. I can use it as an instrument and run around and kick the soccer ball with my little daughter. I can swim. I take every opportunity to go swimming, even though every time I feel like, oh, shoot, oh, I wish I'd lost a little weight. Yes, those things pop into my head. Self-objectification always does, but I can fight back against it. I can do what you do by dancing anyway, by showing up to a speaking event anyway. Even when I, you know, I, I did a speaking event at Utah State with my sister, Lindsay, who lives in Manhattan and flies back and forth for speaking events. And I thought to myself, should I really book this really big event when I had an eight week old baby at the time, maybe a six week old baby? I thought the same thing when I booked that event with you when I was two weeks away from giving birth. (laughs) And I did it anyway. Because I am more than a body and so are you. And as we show up, as we embody ourselves, we live inside our bodies, we realize there's so much joy and purpose to be had by living in them, by seeing the pain and living through it and being better because of it. It's so, so beautiful. I have the same experience of I was in the library and I think I was like in second grade and looking down and it was the way that my legs folded and there was extra meat with my legs folded. And so you're talking about that break. So there's a place I want to take this that has to do with trauma. That break can be considered like a traumatic event in psychology. And I've talked to my therapist. He's a real trauma expert. As we're growing up, we kind of have these natural points of trauma, not even in the way where like something huge happens, but they're just like a natural like rite of passage almost. And right now we are in a state of collective trauma with the pandemic that is happening with COVID-19, with quarantine. And one thing that I know about trauma as I've been learning more and more about it is any trauma that you've been through, when you have another trauma, trauma gets literally stuck in the brain. And so this trauma that is collectively happening to us as a world is triggering a lot of past traumas and other traumas for people. And so I think just being aware of that is really helpful. But I think women collectively have so much, and I'm not trying to minimize this word of trauma. I'm really serious, right? We have so many issues and trauma, eating disorders. And just like I know that right now, this state of trauma and uncertainty, there's going to be lots of change and lots of loss and hard things. I know that it is wreaking havoc with people when it comes to eating and their bodies even more than before. And I believe, and you totally just tell me when I'm incorrect, but because so many of us have such deep issues and trauma with our bodies, with eating disorders, this is triggering and sending people into shame spirals. People Mm -hmm. are at home. They're turning to food for comfort. Can we talk a little bit about that? Just because this is relevant, whether or not it's we're in quarantine, because this always happens. You're eating well, you're feeling good, and then something hard happens. And for me, I typically eat for comfort, but when I get in high states of anxiety, which I've, I've been in the last couple of weeks, I can't eat. And I just, I feel like there's probably a lot of collective suffering and shame going on right now. And if you could help with that, I think a lot of people would, that's, I know I just put like a big ask on you, no, but I like, love it. I feel like you're the woman to do it. If, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think yeah. this is such an important question and you're totally right. So many of us are having this, I'm going to frame it as an opportunity, an opportunity to see the ways we have coped in ways that weren't serving us, to see the ways. So in our book and in our research, we talk about trauma as a disruption. So in body image resilience, a disruption is anything that happens to you, big or small, that changes the way you see and relate to your body, that changes your relationship to your own body. So the perfect disruption that basically all of us are facing right now is being in isolation at home. We aren't getting up and getting out. We aren't moving our bodies like we used to. We're eating differently. Many of us are binging out of stress, which is compounded by the fact that 
We're not supposed to be going to the stores as much. We're supposed to be, you know, eating our food storage and we eat more anyway. And it is stressful. I totally get it. We are almost all dealing with the fact that I would argue most girls and women in this world struggle with disordered eating. It wouldn't be a full-blown clinical eating disorder, but basically all of us struggle with disordered eating in some way. We try to control our lives by controlling our food, by restricting our food, which leads to binging. Restriction will always lead to binging. I cannot emphasize that enough. So whether you're binging, whether you're restricting, whatever you're doing, you're probably facing some trauma. What if we thought about this opportunity while we have a little bit, hopefully a little bit of free time on our hands to think, to journal, to sit with ourselves? What if we thought about this as a disruption that we could use as an enabling disruption? So in our research, we show that everybody responds to disruptions in their lives in one of three ways. But one of the most popular ways, which doesn't serve us, is sinking deeper into shame. So in response to something like a global pandemic and being stuck at home, we eat our feelings, we cope with illegal drugs, with drinking too much, with prescription drugs. We cope with self-harm in record numbers. We cope by staying in relationships that don't serve us because we feel too disgusting to be in a relationship with anybody else and at least they're with us. We cope by distracting ourselves, by scrolling through our phones just consistently, even though it doesn't serve us in any way. We do those things and they sink us into shame. They numb us for a moment. Maybe they give us a momentary high, but in the end, we are left worse off than before. Many of us are coping with, with our pain by doing this right now. A lot of us are facing this disruption and it's changing the way we see ourselves because we don't get to exercise like we used to. We're stuck at home. We have more free time on our hands to worry about our bodies and our looks. We make these plans for when I'm out of isolation, oh my gosh, I am gonna look so good. I'm gonna work out every day. I'm gonna come back wearing my skinny jeans. You know, we make these plans. It's like your summer body. We've yes. been doing it our whole lives. It's true. It's true. It's just this constant cycle. But that's the second response that so many of us take is we cling to to our comfort zones that are actually very uncomfortable. In terms of your body image, you cling to the comfort zone by grasping to that diet like your life depends on it, even if it's not really serving you, even if it's hurting those around you, like your kids that are seeing you. We do these things like we make these plans for cosmetic surgery. We make these plans for, okay, if I can get these new eyelashes, if I can get this skin treatment done, I need to get my Botox when I get back out there. Maybe I can do my nails at home. We do all these things just to try to cling to our comfort zone that is us being defined by our bodies and that as we fix our bodies, then we're happier, which isn't true, but it's what we've been told our whole lives. And so we do our absolute best to fix our bodies, to fix ourselves when the problem is much deeper. But what if we took the true opportunity we have right now to rise with resilience? We can rise with resilience in the face of this by doing a few things. One, like we talked about, is to use your physical power by using your body and viewing your body and experiencing it as an instrument, not an ornament. When you're stuck at home, that might look different than going outside and playing a sport. It might look different than lifting weights if you don't if you don't have access to weights or a gym. What this could look like is using your body as an instrument by writing. One thing you could do to serve yourself, and we can also talk about writing to serve somebody else, but to serve yourself, there's this really amazing therapeutic tool that we talk about in the book that could truly change your life is to look back on a time in your life where you knew you were more than a body when you were little, when you didn't feel so defined by your body or so self-conscious. Think about a picture of you. If you have a picture, pull it up right now. Pull it up on your phone, hold it in your hand if you have a hard copy. Find a picture of yourself from when you were little. And then I want you to take a notebook or a journal or even the notes on your phone. And I want you to write a note to that little girl about what you wish she knew. I want you to tell her what could have changed her, what could have saved you some of that heartache. Because you're living in the same body you had when you were a little tiny girl, this body that has grown with you, but you've punished it so much. So take this time to, you know, if I were writing this note to myself, I'd tell myself that it's okay to be hungry. It's okay to eat more than my mom or my dad or my little brother thought I should. It was okay for me to have that extra piece of bread or those extra couple pieces of bread when I got home and I was starving because I would hide that from my mom, my wonderful mom, who was naturally thinner than me, who I thought was so beautiful. 
I'd hide my food sometimes because I didn't want to be ashamed of eating too much or having my dad say, wow, did somebody eat all the bread around here? Whatever the thing was. I would tell her that it's okay to be hungry and it's okay to eat. I would tell her that yeah, her thighs are bigger than some of the other little girl's thighs and that's okay because those thighs are going to help her be the best competitive swimmer for years that those thighs carry her around this world and can be an example to others that you can live and be happy and be loved with whatever thighs you have, however those thighs look. I would want her to know that because I lived an entire life until I was 27 years old and got married thinking I could not be loved because of my thighs. And now, like I told you, I'm the fattest I've ever been and I'm the happiest I've ever been. I'm in a loving, wonderful relationship. And that came in spite of thighs that I always thought defined me as somebody disgusting and unworthy of love. So take the opportunity to write a note to yourself. It is the best therapeutic exercise. It will help you reunite with that little girl. It will help you see her, see her reach out to you and hug her. She is you. Tell her you're sorry for all the messages she got from the outside and for all the messages that you took on and said to her your whole life. Apologize to her. Thank her for where she has gotten you today and reunite with her. It is so powerful, I promise. It's fine, I'm not crying, you're crying. She's not (laughs) crying. No, I am crying because, you know, my first thought was, it's like I almost can't remember. It started so early for me. I almost can't remember a time I can't consciously remember a time where I wasn't thinking about my body as a little girl you know but there is one picture and I actually hung it in my boudoir as I call it I think I hung it up after I heard you speak actually so I think it was you it's this picture of me in a dance costume and we have a video footage and it's it I was dancing to under the sea and they told us to shake it like shake our maracas we had these little maracas in the video I am shaking three times as hard as anyone because they told me to shake it so I was shaking it and I I shook so hard that the feather came out of my hair and I didn't want to stop shaking so you see me leaving the conga line still shaking to pick up the feather still shaking oh I love it (laughs) Oh my gosh. And, you know, I feel like this, and, and I don't want to interrupt, so correct me if no, but I feel like this work, and the reason why I found that picture, and I think this work is so important, is I found myself thinking things my nine-year-old, oh, she's eating too much bread, she should be eating more vegetables, and, and different things like that, and I don't even want to say, I don't even want to say any of the thoughts because I don't want them to exist for her to ever hear, right? But I was kind of going on and on about it and it like hit me in the face, like really one day where I was like, you hate that nine-year-old, not her, but me, nine-year-old me. I like still was mad at her or had like disgust for her or something. And I had this like distinct impression, like if you don't love her, you are going to pass that on to your nine-year-old. So when I hear you say like, that's such a beautiful exercise, that writing and how we talked about how do we not past this idea of your body is a an ornament onto the next generation. How do we not do that? Yeah. Because the thing is is like my mom, she's a wonderful person. Like I really didn't have any true I don't know, eating disorders, definitely disordered eating. She's empowered, she's super smart, but yeah, I was on Jenny Craig when I was 9. It's because that generationally, she thought the best thing she could do for me, literally the best thing she could do for me was I could have a better school and high school experience if I wasn't overweight. That for her was like, I wasn't going to get asked to the dances. I wasn't going to have a positive experience at school if I was Mm -hmm. overweight. And so she was trying to help me with that. Of course. She was passing that on because it was passed to her, not because she's a terrible person. And so what can we do? (laughs) The question is right on and you already explained a little bit of it in your own thought process with your daughter. The first thing you have to do is heal yourself. You cannot hate the little girl that was fat. (laughs) You can't. And that's shame. It's not hate, it's shame. And we see our daughters as reflections of ourselves. We see our sisters. I see my twin sister as a reflection of myself. We see these women, we, we objectify them, basically. We learn to see our value in the way our bodies appear above all else. So the first thing you have to do is work on healing yourself. It's an extremely long process. But the second thing you can do 
is start to recognize that your mom and your grandma and everybody else you know today has grown up in an incredibly fat phobic society. It's the truth. And there's a ton of research out there. This is going to sound radical and some people are going to roll their eyes, but there is a ton of peer-reviewed research that tells us that health is possible at every single size and that for most of us, our weight is genetic. Your weight gets to a set point that your body is comfortable with and it wants to stay there. And for many people, that weight, even if it looks higher than you've been told it should be through the body mass index, which I could talk about all day long, it is a, a corrupt and profit-driven, flawed system that doesn't actually diagnose health in any way. It's supposed to be used for large population studies of 25-year-old white men. That's who it's built for. It is not built for children. It is not built for women. It's not built for anybody who isn't white. So oh, I wait, could- so a society built for 25-year-old white men? You mean who just knew? all of- You mean all of our everything? Okay, yeah, continue. Yeah, yes. Allison, yes. <laughs> I say oh, you that in our country. That's weird. I say that with rage in my eyes that I'm trying to tamp down. Okay, I'm with you. Hey, listen, I'm with you. I'm yeah, with you. a lot yeah. of us feel that rage right now, and yeah. I think it can be righteous anger. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the truth is that what we have learned about health has been co-opted by really objectifying ideals that don't actually serve us and our health in any way. It goes back to that instrument, not ornament mantra. For many of us, we've been taught that our health can be defined by our body mass index, by a ratio of our height to our weight. It absolutely cannot. When I have starved myself, literally eaten celery and Diet Coke every day in my early 20s, and that's all I ate, I got down to my lowest weight ever, which I will not tell you because for some people, it's their highest weight ever. And my body mass index still told me I was overweight, bordering on obese. I can promise you that you need to throw away your scale. It will serve you. Honestly, I can tell you that even through my entire pregnancy, I talked to my doctor and my midwife about not weighing myself because I'm an activist and I want them to know that weight is not going to predict the health of my pregnancy, that my internal indicators of health will, my blood pressure, my blood sugar, the full blood panel they take on you when you're pregnant, those things will tell you a lot more. They agreed. I didn't weigh myself the entire pregnancy. They had to start taking my blood pressure before they weighed me because oh, I was so anxious and uh -huh. felt so much shame for totally. how much weight I gained that my blood pressure, they couldn't get my blood pressure to read accurately because... Oh, Allison. having to weigh myself. I You're mean, not alone. That's yeah. why I talked to my doctor yeah. about that. If yeah. you have the privilege of going to a doctor who will agree that you do not need to be weighed, it saved me so much. I don't know how much I weigh. <laughs> I don't. That would have been life-changing. And it didn't help that the entire time I was pregnant, men would walk up to me and say, are you sure you're not pregnant with twins? That didn't help. Or that, you know, family members said, wow, you're getting bigger each time, right? Like th those things didn't help. But then the actual way in, yeah, because that's how much shame and anxiety I would get around the scale. Totally. And then it's like, I just hop. And really, I do feel like I'm in it. I've been watching myself where I weigh myself like maybe like once a month or every couple weeks. Right. And like I did have to stop weighing myself because I was feeling really frantic and anxious. And like you said, I start trying to control things. And so I was noticing myself start trying to control that just for fun, just to get a sense of control. Yep. Uh, mm hmm. <laughs> But it's hard. It's hard. And I don't want to I don't want to derail us. But it's hard because I want to argue because I agree with you. But here's what I want to argue is like where I'm like, okay, but like I'm having anxiety attacks. And if me counting my calories makes me not have anxiety attacks, like is that such a bad thing if I'm getting a healthy amount of calories in an ideal world? I hear what I'm saying and I can argue against what I'm saying and I can argue for what I'm saying in an ideal world. I know that if I am in tune with my emotions and I meditate and I exercise and all of these things, I won't have my anxiety attacks and so on and so forth. But then something at work very stressful happens or I don't have enough to pay my employees or there's a pandemic or I lose a loved one or my dad gets cancer. These are all things that have happened recently. And so it's like, 
I know people are listening and they're like, I don't want to pass it on to my children, but like I have to survive. Yes. Thank you for your vulnerability. I'm not going to shame or blame you for what you do because I get it. But as you try to cope with your anxiety by counting your calories, you're continuing to place your anxiety at the end of the day on the way your body appears. But is it? Because for me, I did stop because I realized what I was doing. But for me, it's all about control where I was like, I can't control any of these things, but I can control that I get like a hundred grams of protein, this many servings of vegetables, and I'm looking at the macros, which again, I know is like an eating disorder thing, right? Where I'm like, control, control, control. See, I unpack it from like a philosophical, like that's my ego, it's myself, which I guess is attachment to form, which is self-objectification. Yes, it is. No, Allison, honestly, it's okay. But what I think is that I need you and thousands of women need you because you are here to serve and lead. Some of your attention being placed on your food, on the counting, on that little sense of control you have, it's kind of keeping you from being able to liberate other people in the ways they need. But I can't liberate anyone if I can't get out of bed. Yeah. Oh, believe me. I know. I totally know. And you're using this as a form of coping. You're using this to cling to your comfort zone. All I'm saying is that at the end of the day, if you ask the question, what is my counting food and counting calories? Really that fixation on food. What is that doing? I would say what that is doing is helping you be in control of how you look, right? At the end of the day, isn't it that? It probably is because why not control something else? The other thing I love to control is the number of steps I get. But that, well, man, it's so hard because a huge goal for me is to have the stamina to do the work I need to do, the physical stamina. And so I'm focusing on the instrument side of it. And I say that, but then if my pants don't fit, I certainly feel differently. Allison, the thing is, I can say that too. And a lot of people do. We say that we're prioritizing our health and we want stamina. But the thing is, Lizzo is on stage for hours every night running and dancing. I'm just using her as one example of many. I can use myself too. You can have the stamina without counting calories. You can do it intuitively because you can trust yourself. Now, I know that most of the girls and women listening to this right now are dieting. I get it. I've been there. I've done every diet in the world. That's why I wanted to like not argue, but yeah, please. Like I can hear in the heads of the people listening going, yeah, but I can't show up for my family if I'm crying in bed and me counting, you know, my macros is making it so I can show up for my family. So that's why I think it's good to have this conversation. Yes, me too. Because I get it. I fight it every day. Every day I fight this idea of what if I didn't eat that and I ate that instead. You have these aspirational thoughts that come down to what you look like. And I'm here to tell you that sure, you can continue to count your calories, but your babies will too. We're passing along the dieting. Oh, shot through the heart. That was really good. It's so true. For me, I don't want my four-year-old to think about food the way I always did. I was also dieting when I was so tiny. Honestly, the key here, it's two things, intuitive eating and the health at every size movement. It's okay if you're not on board yet. It is so freaking scary to think that you could gain weight, but I want you to think about all the privilege you have. Allison, I want you to think about you because I can do this with me. I am married. I have two beautiful babies. I have a job. I have every bit of privilege you can imagine. My privilege is so thick it's unbelievable. Yeah, but seriously, think about that privilege and think about the worst thing that would happen if you gained weight. What if you gained back? Like you lost weight, right? I got hit by a car and I gained weight back. Yeah, that was a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't gain weight back after I got hit at first. And it was like this real sense of accomplishment and pride. Like I lost weight the healthy way. I didn't gain it back even after getting hit by a car because I'm so mentally well. And then I fell into a deep depression because of trauma and it just was like a year after the fact. And then I did gain some weight and then I walked around thinking that everybody thought I was a huge failure. And, and they did Yeah. But I surely thought that. That's what this whole second time around for me has been. And that it was so good to hear you speak and to have your language. I want you to know, most of us picture our future selves as thinner and prettier than we are right now. But in reality, <laughs> the 
A vast majority of us, about 98% of us, in the future, even if we lose weight, will gain that weight back and we will age. It is part of our humanity. It makes us human. And Allison, you have all the privilege in the world from where you are right now to realize that even if you gain a bunch of weight, nothing in your life actually changes. You are still loved by your husband. You are still loved by every one of your followers. But I want us to think about our privilege and think about the fact that we really are policing ourselves against these fears that are kind of unfounded. And so for somebody like me that has a lot of it, I've realized that just showing up anyway and eating more intuitively instead of thinking so hard about being in control of all the things because I'm exactly like you has served me, my brain, and all the people who need me a lot. So Lexi, thank you so, so much. I feel like we have so many amazing action items. We have a call responsibility to work on loving our bodies as instruments and not ornaments. Like you said, just following your Instagram and just talking about this work doesn't always mean that you're just going to be able to do it. So what are some other resources you have for people who are listening and they're like, this is a really big issue. I need help with this. This is keeping me from showing up to my work. This is keeping me from showing up to my family. I know that you guys have some amazing resources. Oh, we want people to get more engaged in this work. We offer an online course. It's a Beauty Redefined Body Image Resilience online course through our website, beautyredefined.org. You can find that linked through our Instagram. We also work with therapists and dietitians who want to run our course, but also they want to have either a group or individual therapy component to it. So they do these weekly meetings, either individuals or with a group where you can get together and talk about what you're doing in the course and the assignments and challenges you have. So you can go to our website to find a facilitator or if you're a therapist and you want to get involved in this, you can contact us the same way through our website. I would highly recommend reading the Intuitive Eating Workbook. Intuitive Eating, just Google it. It will really help you change your relationship with food for all of us that are dealing with this, especially right now during a pandemic. I think those resources would be incredibly helpful as a place to start. Awesome. Okay, Lexi, this is amazing. Thank you so much. I just have some important questions before you go. Are you ready? Yes, of course. When you are on the dance floor and all (laughs) eyes are on you, as I know happens very often, what is your go-to dance move? (laughs) What is my go-to dance move? Yeah, yeah. So both arms are going up and as the arms go one way, like my butt and hips go the other way and you shake it back and forth. Yeah. 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 yeah, okay. A little, <laughs> a little opposites attract. I yeah, sure. That. And what, what is kind of one of your go-to exercises or things, just a tool for when you aren't feeling awesome and you want to feel a little more awesome, what's something that you do? I repeat my mantra to myself. My body is an instrument, not an ornament. And a lot of times I will look down at the part that I'm self-conscious of and talk to it. Like I will literally think about experiences I've had in my body with that part. Like if it's my stomach, I'm thinking about not only did I like grow babies in this stomach, but like I've eaten good food in this stomach. I think about like, I think about my senses, you know, you come back into your body by thinking about experiences in it. So yeah, that's helpful. I love that. Okay. And then I have one more really important question for you power song like what's a song that comes on or you turn it on and you can take a second to think about it but that is like okay yeah this is my jam or it gets you up on the dance floor or you you turn it on if you're sad I mean what's just like a good go-to song for you it's helpful when you think of like what was your jam in high school oh that that always helps right because you because you still are like yeah yeah okay oh my gosh yeah yeah. well actually it would probably be freshman year of college it was usher yeah yeah! <laughs> <laughs> good okay Lexi this has been incredible the absolute first thing people need to do is they need to go and follow your Instagram account beauty underscore redefined because you know you're going to get continuous empowering messages that are really going to help open your brain change your thought process and then hit up those resources that Lexi suggested thank you so much Lexi it's been so fun thank you. you Here's what I love so much about Lexi. She and her sister are doing work that they know is important, 
but you can hear the way she's talking to me is that they're going to meet you where you're at with love and understand that these are hard concepts to digest sometimes, but that doesn't mean that they're going to like shift on them. And so I think the best thing to do with any new concept, especially if it's really challenging some beliefs for you, is you don't have to believe it. You don't have to accept it. You don't just have to take it, but just ask the question, how could this serve me? Could this serve me? What if I believed some of these things? What if I opened up my mind to some of these things? What if I really chose to believe that me trying to control what I put in my mouth isn't going to control my happiness? And just different things like that. And I have honestly, since my conversation with Lexi even, felt a shift in my attitude towards food. I I would really love if you support Lexi and Lindsay if this spoke to you. Check them out on Instagram. I linked to it in the episode description. They've got amazing courses. They have so many resources. Of course, when their book is out, I will be talking about it and sharing about it. But just simply going over and saying thank you and telling Lexi something you learned from this episode or sharing the episode is is huge for us because I really truly hope that this can be a healing positive experience I just feel like we need as many healing positive experiences as we can get right now compassion and love for yourself thank you to Lexi thank you to her sister Lindsay even though we didn't get to talk to her she is doing this work too Eric do you have a review for us I do okay this one's from Ashley bro she says I recently delivered my first baby and around eight weeks postpartum, I've really struggled to feel good again. Listening to Allison truly gives me a leg up and lets me know I can do this. Thank you for being the happy when I can't seem to find it myself. P.S. I love your jams, Eric. Ashley, congratulations on your baby. Thousands upon thousands of moms who are listening to you and listening to that review are all saying, girl, we love you. We feel you, we see you, we've been there, we support you. And I'm so glad that this podcast could be there for you. But I want you to know that everyone who just heard that review is just saying amen we've been there and you're not alone. We are going to send you some goodies. So shoot an email to awesomewithallison at theallisonshow.com. That's Allison with one L. I want to remind you about my t-shirts and my journals. So the t-shirts are going to be a print to order pre-order. So you have exactly seven days to get your order in if you want your shirt to ship the week of April 20th. And then the journals are going to be shipping out at that same time. So jump in on that pre-order and thank you guys so much you're doing an incredible job take what serves you don't beat yourself up let go of everything else because remember the intention of this podcast is to help you feel a little more awesome sometimes that is by challenging old beliefs so we can ask ourselves to accept new beliefs that are going to be more empowering but at the end of the day go inside ask yourself what you need and that's where your true power is going to come from I want to remind you Only you can be you, and you're already as awesome as you need to be. Eric, do you have a a sweet jam for us? I do. We released a brand new collection yesterday called California Trail. It's uh, like indie folk, beautiful nature-inspired tracks. This song is called Grass Valley, and this is from Pleasant Pictures Music Club. It's my high-end stock music library, and right now... Our library is only $99. What? Which I is, told you, I actually did tell him not to put it that low. I want you to know well, that. Well, guess what? I'm pivoting and I'm moving with the economy and I want to help people who need to make awesome ads. So our library right now is $99. And how about this? My code, Osmuth Eric. No, don't do it. No, I'm doing it. This is not like some sort of infomercial. I'm genuinely telling him not to do yeah. it. Yeah, well, I'm doing it. The code Osmuth Eric Eric is 20% off. So if you need the best music ever to help your videos, this is your chance. PleasantPictures.club.
Thank you.